Now, I'm going to preach a message today. We're, we're starting a new series called King Jesus. Not to be confused with Kanye West's album, although that is an inspiration, uh, King Jesus. And it's important that we allow God to reveal all of his expressions to us as believers. That's so important. Think about, uh, we love Jesus as the Savior. Come on, when you think about being saved, rescued, right? We love that part of Jesus. Jesus is going to come through. All I got to do is believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. Pastor Julian, at the end of this service, he might count to three, and I just get to bow my head. I get to raise my hand, and wow, I get to be a follower of Jesus. And it is literally that simple. But then there is even knowing Jesus as Lord, right? Jesus as Lord, where he's guiding and leading every aspect of your life. I know some people who honor Jesus as Savior but dishonor him as Lord. I have been that person. I would tell you when I was a kid or, excuse me, a young adult that I was saved. Jesus was my Savior, but he was in no way, shape, or form my Lord. I made my own decisions. I controlled my own life. I did what I wanted to do. And it wasn't that God was mad at me. And I, I, wanna, I want you to be very clear on what I'm saying. So many times we say things like, God is not mad at you. I'm not. He's not mad at you. He, he loves you just the way that you are. We even get emails from people, is God going to love me just the way I am? Well, of course he is. But here's the thing, that God also wants to lead you. He doesn't want to just love you. He wants to leave you, lead you. And I would go as far to say that as a father, if I'm loving and I'm not leading, am I really loving? Uh, loving involves leadership. And so, so many times we want God to show us his love, but not show us his leadership. And I feel like the Lord is saying, if you don't let me lead you, you will never experience the fullness of love. All right, so you follow me? So there's Jesus the Savior. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And then there is Jesus who is Lord. It's a leadership thing. In, in Revelation, it says Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the leader of leaders. He's the king of, and it, when it says that verse, the, the second king is a lowercase k. So, so he's the leader of leaders. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. He's above all. It, does Jesus love you and lead you? If Jesus is loving you and leading you, you will experience things that no eye has seen and no ear has heard. If you only want the love and you don't want the leadership, then you will experience a portion of God's love, but you will never be able to walk in the fullness. I can tell you right now that as, as, as in my life, I knew that God loved me. It wasn't until I was 32 that I let God lead me. I've only been letting Jesus lead me for 10 years of my 42 years on this earth. And in that 10 years, more has happened. I, it's unbelievable. Does, it, does that make sense? Are you following me? Okay, so there's Jesus the Savior, and there's Jesus as your Lord. But then there is Jesus as King. Whoo! If you can make it to this level, oh, you done been to the mountaintop. Jesus as King, that means that Jesus has dominion over everything in your life. That means Jesus' words have dominion. The king didn't have to work. All he had to do was speak, and what came out of his mouth became law. 
He would issue a decree and nobody had to vote. See, we get so used to voting and I love that we're in a democracy, but being in a democracy, do you know as a, a Western culture, we have spent hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years making sure we don't have to submit to a king? We don't like kings. We like people that we decide if they get to lead us or not. But see, Jesus is not the president, he's the king. You can't vote for Jesus. And here's what happens in our life because we're so used to democracy. Now, hear what I'm saying? I know I'm going to get an email because of the offense verse. And, and are you trying to say that we should be in a... No, no, no. I'm not... Uh, here, let me say what I'm saying, what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I don't appreciate, um, you know, living in America and da-da-da-da-da and a democracy. I'm not saying that. You know, uh, what I'm saying is that if we're not careful, we take scripture and we put it on a ballot. We put it on a ballot and we decide which one makes us feel good, which one doesn't. I'm gonna be honest, I get a lot of emails even about sexuality. I, this is one of my number one emails. And usually they wanna know, do I affirm their sexuality? And we've been thinking about for weeks, how do I answer this email? Because I don't want people to feel loved. I, want, I don't want people to feel like I hate them. I don't wanna, but I didn't write the Bible. You know what I thought of last night? I don't have the authority to affirm. I can accept, I can embrace, I can love. I don't have the authority to affirm. Why do you think Jesus waited 30 years to start his ministry? Heaven's open, God affirmed him, let's go. The spirit came on him like a dove, the people were already affirming him, but he couldn't do anything because their affirmation had no authority over who he was. My affirmation has no authority. And, so, and so what I realize is we give people's affirmation too much authority. Why do you want to know whether or not I affirm you? Why do you want to know if the person next to you affirms you? Some of y'all have left the church because you didn't have the affirmation of a pastor. You don't need their affirmation. They don't have the authority to affirm you or disaffirm you. You're in the presence of God. We all get affirmed by the blood of Jesus. If you confessed your sins, oh, I'm preaching already. I'm preaching. That's how I'm going to respond to that email. I don't have the authority to affirm you. Who am I? If King David said, who am I and who are these people that we could sit in the presence of God? Just because I'm a pastor and I lead a church doesn't mean my affirmation has any authority. That authority belongs to the king, and I am nothing but a messenger who comes in the name of a king. A king, and his name is Jesus. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, when you, when you understand Jesus as your savior, Jesus as your Lord, and Jesus being king, it means that you have dominion. Do you know there are certain places that you pray so hard to go that you need dominion to go there? If you don't show up to that place in the name, how many people have something that they're believing God to do in their lives that hasn't happened yet? Don't clap because it hadn't happened. <laughs> Keep your hand up, right? And how many people you feel talented to do that thing? Okay, some hands went down. See, here's the thing. What if you're not there yet because what requires for you to get there is being under the king's dominion? Yeah. 
because that thing you're currently believing for is under the dominion of darkness. And if you go to that place without operating underneath the dominion and the authority of the king, then that place will not have dominion over you. You ever taken a job and you feel anxious every day? Because a spirit of anxiety has dominion over that job you took. And if you're not walking and under the submitted authority of the king, then you can't go into a place and have things submit to the king that you serve. This is so important that we honor Jesus as king. Romans 11:29 says this, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What? And that word gifts means a, a lot of different things. It, it means like not just your, your ability. We love, like, God will never revoke my singing. He has revoked some of y'all singing because I, I hear you in worship. But it also means the grace that God has given you to do what he's called you to do. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I, I want to preach a message to you called the king is calling. The, the king is calling. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. It, it, why would they be irrevocable? Because the king is the one who gave the gift and the one who called. If I give you a gift, I can take it back. If I call you to do something, I can take it back. But it's the authority of the person who gave the gift. So that means the enemy cannot take something from you that God gives you. The only way the enemy can get it from you is that you forfeit it. The gifts and the calling of the king are irrevocable. And this is what this word calling means in, in the Greek. Watch this. Calling. An authoritative summons spoken or written to participate and to be present or take part in something. Especially a summons to the hope of salvation in Jesus. So when I say that God is calling you, that is a summons. Anybody been summoned to jury duty? Right? And, and honestly, when you get summoned instinctively, the first thing you think about is how do I get out of this? Right? You get a letter from somebody who's those, lo those uh, student loans, say people that save your student loan, you respond to that so fast because we like saviors. But if you get a summons, how do I get out of this? And you have to report to jury duty. And you call the phone every single night. You call every single day to see if you have to report to duty, to see where you have to report. You call. When you get a summons, you have to call every single night, every single night. Well, when you get a summons from God, it's the same. You got to interact with God every single day because there might be something in the morning that you got to do that you weren't planning on. Listen to me. Listen to me. It, it, it's, it's the call is not just, what up? I love what Patrick and Don said yesterday about having more reverence for God. They said, if you had more reverence for God, you might not get divorced. But so many times we preach so much that God loves us, we, we think that we, and he does, you know what I'm saying? But we treat him like he's the homie. Yeah. We treat him like God is saying, yo, what up? You feel like going to church today? Yeah. Come through, put on your outfit, come through dripping. In G, I'm gonna say it in Jesus' name, in my own name, amen. You know what I mean? 
Like he just tells you to do something. Hey, I need you to get involved. I need you to serve. You don't feel like it. It's cool. I get it. No, when he calls you to do something, he's calling as a king. And it immediately needs to become like law in your life. But we're so used to democracy when Jesus says something, we vote. Do I want to do that? Do I not want to do that? Because we, we don't honor Jesus as king. The gifts and calling are irrevocable. And here's the thing. I had my driver's license suspended once when I was 20 years old. Got some parking tickets that got away from me. And I got my driver's license suspended. And, um, you know, I paid off the tickets, and I got my driver's license back. And I felt like somebody in this place is living like their Christian license has been suspended. So you go through something in your finances and your giving license is suspended, and so you don't give. Right? You don't, your faith is down, so you don't pray. You're pray no, you'll never have any, it's irrevocable. God will never take away anything from you because he paid the price with his blood. And so we have to understand that it's irrevocable. That word irrevocable means it's legislative. I can't take it back. Because when I said I would do it, it became law in heaven. Hold on, man. Let me just, I need to come over here. Did you hear what I just said? So when Jesus says to the Lombards that he's calling them to marriage ministry, that's not just a suggestion. He is saying in heaven, I slam the gavel. It's happening. If you trust me and you move forward, it has become law in the court of heaven. So then what the enemy tries to do in your mind is he tries to play out the case in the lower court. He tries to play out the case in the lower court. Do you know if you get convicted in civil court, in the city court, it can get overturned in federal? Woo! See, some of y'all have been convicted. The enemy said you're guilty, but then it goes to the court of heaven and it goes not guilty. It's appeal. You've been set free. You see what I'm saying? When he says he's going to do something, when he says he has a calling or a purpose over your life, it becomes legislation in the kingdom of heaven. Because a king said it. And if we're not careful, we, we love to just, not just because the Savior said it, the king said it. The king said it. It's the king. It's the, the king. It's, it's the king. Here's the thing that I've learned through, 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 through Scripture is um, as I read the Old Testament, um, I don't know if you know this, in, in um, Genesis, there was a terrible prophecy that God's people would be in 400 years of slavery. So they were in 400 years of slavery to Egypt, and God sent Moses and delivered them from slavery. 400 years. They suffered for 400 years. And God raised up Moses to set them free. And then if you read the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. The last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. And um, after the book of Malachi, you get the book of Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament. And Bible scholars almost unanimously agree that just like there was 400 years of slavery, between Malachi and Matthew, when John the Baptist showed up, there was 400 years of silence. 
400 years of slavery, 400 years of silence. 400 years of suffering, 400 years of, of silence. And if you're like me, you can spend so much of your time interacting with God about your suffering, you don't realize that if the Lord breaks silence in the suffering, his kingship is beginning to reign. So we pray, what I mean is we pray so much to get out of what we're doing instead of praying for the king to speak to us in the middle. Because we think if I get out of it, but when the king says something, when the king says something, we're out of it already. So I don't need to get out of this suffering. I need the king to speak to me. I need him to not be silent in my suffering. Do you know that in the Emancipation Proclamation, Juneteenth is this thing, and it's Black History Month, and Juneteenth celebrates when a group of people, I don't want to get all of it, a group of people found out that they were free. So there was a gap between what Abraham Lincoln declared, and there was a gap between what he said and it making to the ears of the people who were in slavery. There was a gap. And so what this is about is there are things that God wants to tell you and the enemy wants you to be distracted so you can't hear those things. Therefore, you are not walking in what the king declared because you can't hear it. There's a gap. 400 years of slavery and 400 years of silence. And I felt like God saying, I sent Jesus as a savior to break the slavery. You don't have to be a slave to fear. You don't have to be a slave to anxiety. You don't have to be a slave to discouragement. You don't have to be a slave to your goals and dreams. I sent Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, that part is the savior. I've broken the slavery. And it doesn't matter if it's been going on in your family for 400 years. It's done today in the name of Jesus. But I sent Jesus as king to break the silence. And if there is a group of people who can hear from heaven and treat those words with the authority that those words have, oh, what I'll do in the church. Because we all want to be free. But do we want to hear the authoritative words of the king of kings? Do we want to read the Bible? Do we want to hear from God? And I felt like God said that if we don't allow Jesus to come as Savior and break the slavery, but we also don't allow him to come as king and break the silence and treat his words with authority, treat the Bible with authority, treat the sermons with authority, we're not going to be able to walk in the fullness of our calling and the church will be broken down. I remember one time my car broke down and um, it was a time I just came to the Lord. And so I was reading all these books on supernatural stuff and miracles. And I literally said, in Jesus' name, I locked my keys in my car. My car wasn't broken down. I locked my keys in my car. <laughs> but, you know, broken down gets more compassion from people. <laughs> and so I said, I was on it. I was on it. I'm like, God can do anything. Do you know I prayed to supernaturally for my doors to unlock? This is the craziest thing I've ever prayed for. This is where my faith was. And I said, this is a crazy story. I literally prayed, in Jesus' name, open. And I went to that door handle expecting that door handle to be open. Anybody got faith like that? 
And when I tell you that I almost ripped every nail off of my finger because that door was still locked, fingers bleeding, because I pulled it with such force, I was like, oh, this door's going to open, know that. I, when I tell you I almost ripped every nail off, the Holy Spirit didn't say call AAA. I was like, okay. All right. You broke silence, Lord. You broke silence. So I called AAA. And uh, they came out, and, they, and they, they got it together. And uh, as I was thinking about that story this morning, I was thinking about Jesus as, you know, Savior, Jesus as Lord, and Jesus as King without allowing Jesus to, to lead us with all three of those expressions, the church is broken down. And we need to call AAA. And so I caught up with this, like, this is really cool. I was really excited about this morning. Hopefully you are too. So here's the AAA of the church in this season. Are you ready? The AAA of the church in this season. Write this down. Oh, this is so clever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that great? Anointing, authority, and action. Anointing, authority, and action. That was so clever. I thought y'all would clap for that. I was like, oh, literally, this is what y'all did to me. I went like this. I was like, watch this. And y'all was like. I thought y'all was going to erupt in cheers. I'm going to believe it at 11 a.m. that they're going to erupt in cheers because I went, and y'all went. Golf clapping the preacher, man. I didn't make a putt. I'm preaching. Can I get a praise up in here? Y'all acting like I made a putt. This ain't the U.S. Open. This is church. I better make some noise. Triple A. This is what keeps the church from being broken down is anointing, authority, and action. The king is calling so that the church can operate in anointing, authority, and action. The king is calling so the church can operate in anointing, authority, and action. Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus said this in his very first sermon in the temple. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And then in 1 John 2, 20, verse 21, it says, but you, God's people, have been anointed by the Holy One. Okay, you got to watch this. This is so important. Most people are so consumed trying to do what their talent, they're, they're trying to use their talent. They're not using their anointing. So you, anointing sets people free. And everyone is called to participate in setting people free. Everybody is called to use what they're anointed to do, not just what they're talented to do. So you have musicians who are so talented in guitar, but anointed for fatherhood. So they're saying, I'm not going to get married and have kids because I'm on the road. And so you spend your life doing what you're talented to do, not what you're anointed to do. Are my kids going to get in the way of my dreams? I hope so. Because when you do what you're anointed to do, God will make sure you get to do what you're... Can I just preach to somebody over here real quick who's worried about their talent? When you do what you're anointed to do, do you know how many men are anointed to coach and won't coach 
because they're too busy trying to use their talent to make money. No, you better coach. I know you're busy, but you're anointed. These little kids don't have anointed fathers in their life, so I've anointed you to coach because it's their only interaction with a father, and then one day, 20 years from now, they're going to meet their heavenly father because you've been an earthly father to them. Will you do what you're anointed to do? We can never be too busy to do what we're anointed to do. Anointed for marriage ministry, anointed to father, anointed to coach. And we don't want to let what our gift get in the way of our anointing. Anointed means, if you don't know what that means, let me explain it. Right? Somebody says anointed means that you are divinely empowered. The oil of heaven. Anointing oil. Divinely empowered. Spending all your time on your talent is exhausting. Because God will never give you the strength to do the opposite of what he's asking you to do. But anointed is when God does something. Typically, your talent affects the external. What you're anointed to do affects the eternal. That's the difference. What you're anointed to do, watch this, what you're talented to do is typically for the season that you're born in. I'm going to clarify. What you're anointed to do can happen throughout the history of time. Watch this. So, so you can be talented in, 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 um, in directing films. But what you're anointed to do, you, sh- you need to have been able to do it 600 years ago. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you're talented in films, that might just be the vehicle so that you can do what you're anointed to do, and that might be to encourage people or give. So then when you're on set and you just run around and don't speak to anybody because you're focused on your talent, this is why I don't pace back and forth because I want to make sure I'm anointed to encourage people. So I try to be at the church with my eyes up and see people. I'm talented in my communication, but I'm anointed. Do you see what I'm saying? What you're anointed to do, the world never celebrates. They usually don't pay you. And if they do pay you, they don't pay you a lot. Does that make sense? People don't like to see you get paid for what you're anointed to do. You better not, Pastor Julian, pull up in no Ferrari. I'm going to stop giving. But if I came out with a rap video, like, mother, y'all be like, go, Pastor Julian, go, go. Go, go, y'all be dancing if I was talented. We love it when talented people make money, but anointed people, everybody will hate. Oh, we don't, anointed people trigger insecurities of other people. So when you walk into a job and people can see that you're anointed, it just triggers something. They don't mind the talent, they're jealous of the anointing. See, God will bless you in what you're talented because you do what you're anointed to do in secret. He'll bless your talent in public because you're doing the anointing in secret. See, I don't know if you know this, but I was up early this morning working on this message. Early. Alarm clock went off at 6 a.m. But babe, how late did I used to stay up when I was working on those puppet shows for the preschoolers? 2 a.m. I'm anointed 
for children. So when I, so when I was a preschool pastor, I would stay up till 2 a.m. trying to communicate the word of God with puppets. I had my own puppets. TD Milkshakes, <laughs> Reverend Billy Graham Cracker, Tito Testimony. It was diverse, just like this church. Because I was trying to teach the kids diversity. I was going in. And God's saying, wait a minute. He's doing what he's anointed to do. I got to bless this brother's talent. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't get so stuck on talent that your, your, your purpose breaks down because you're stuck on talent. Where's my gift? That's why we don't do gift tests in the church. I don't want you to serve where your gift is. I want you to serve where you're anointed. Where God has divinely empowered you. Just because you can make a video, that don't mean I want you to serve in the video team. Maybe you could be in preschool and some kid without a father encounters somebody who's anointed. And what? Watch this. Watch this. When Philip and Holly commissioned us on October 13th, they didn't give us one ounce of their talent, but they gave us a double portion of their anointing. Woo! The anointing you can give away. The anointing you can give away. The Bible says you can lay hands, you can anoint someone and give healing. You can give away anointing. They laid hands on people and, and Paul said this, I want to come to you so bad so I can lay hands on you and impart a spiritual gift to you. If, I, if I'm anointed in the area, I can lay hands on you and you get some oil. I can't, I'm just getting too excited. I can't, you guys don't, let me just explain something to you. I went to a pastor's gather, uh, 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 a pastor, they anointed them as pastors. It was our, my friend Anthony Powell's church. And uh, they anointed Pastor Larry Walker and Pastor Mark Fierro, and it was amazing. And they put anointing oil on their head. And when I hugged them, it took me 45 minutes to get the oil off of me. 45 minutes. Because Anointing is transferable. Do you see what I'm saying? This is why it's so important to do. So you might ask this question, what am I talented to do? Maybe a lot, but what am I anointed to do? God, what are you asking me to do? And it's typically the thing that nobody else is willing to do. It's the thing you think you don't have time to do. It's the thing that you think you're not good enough to do because it's true. That's why God anoints you. Why do you think you need anointing? It means to be divinely empowered. So if God says, I got to get this brother some oil, that means you're not good enough. Do you know when you always say, I don't know if I'm good enough? I know. God knows. That's why he wants to anoint you. What did David say when he got anointed? Did he say, finally, I knew it, I'd be king. He was 16, y'all, out there with the sheep. He didn't believe he could do it. He believed in the anointing. We're going to break down if we focus too much on talent and not enough on anointing. I stayed on that point so long, but it, I need to preach this. We live in L.A., man. Don't strum your guitar for 18 hours and pray for one. You need some anointing. You need anointing in the prayer. Ask God divinely. This is what that means. Divinely empower me to help people. Here's the thing. 
Jesus said, the sovereign Lord has anointed me to set people free. What you're anointed to do always helps other people. Typically, what you're talented to do entertains. And we think we're helping when we're entertaining. You know how many times I preached and I wasn't helping, I was entertaining? And I thought it went good because you laughed. But didn't nobody go home and do anything different? So you was under the entertainment, not under the anointing. Oh, man. No, 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 no. And, and entertainment and the anointing get the same claps. That's why it's so confusing. But when, but when you release the anointing, the Bible says that the anointing broke the yoke of slavery. So when I preach with anointing, no demon of fear can come near you and your family because the anointing breaks the yoke of slavery. Anointed. Talented communicators, but not anointed. You ever heard of the term false prophet? We think a false prophet is someone who is inaccurate. No, no, no. A false prophet often is someone who is accurate. This is why psychics are false prophet. Because God did not anoint them and God did not send them. And if God did not anoint them and God did not send them, don't hear nothing from that person because they'll be accurate, and they'll tell you something that sounds familiar, they'll tell you something that's true, but their source is demonic. God did not send them, and they're not anointed by God to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, AAA, okay, shoot, I went so long on that point. But this is so important. Anybody would rather have anointing than talent makes some noise. We'd rather have anointing or talent. Okay. The second thing in the AAA is the authority. Matthew 8, verses 7 through 10 says, Jesus um, says to the, the centurion soldier, the centurion soldier is someone, was someone who had 100 people under their care. And um, they had 100 people under their care, and they were very powerful. There was no reason why they would submit to Jesus. And so that, that person had someone who needed to be healed, and Jesus said in verse 7, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my sol soldiers. I, I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Christine Kane preached on this verse. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. He said, you understand authority? I've never seen faith like this before. Why do you think the enemy is so calculated with making our authority figures hurt us? So we don't know how to submit to authority. Wait, you understand authority? You understand authority? It would kind of be like, and I'm using this example, I love to have coffee with people, I love to hang with people, my wife and I, we love it. But it would be kind of like, hey, you want me to pray for you? And you say, hey, Julian, can you come and pray for my family member, they're sick? And I say, sure, I'll be right there. And you say, no, 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 I don't need you to come. I know that God has anointed you. Right from where you are, will you say a prayer? And I know that prayer, I, I get authority. Amen. Your words have authority, you don't, I don't need you to come. Your words have authority. And I mean, I've never seen faith like that ever. Typically, if you don't show up, that person gets hurt. Because they don't understand authority. They don't understand that I don't need to be in there and I want to. Now, this is not an excuse, pastor. Show up for people, okay? Show up for people. That person needs you to be there. Be there for them as a friend. But I don't, my words don't need to be there. 
My, my authority does not increase in proximity. That's what he understood. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm just there for comfort as a friend, but I could pray from anywhere. I could pray from anywhere. So this guy understood authority. And then, get this, he understood authority. And then the third thing is action. Action. What is the AAA when the church is breaking down? What is the king calling? That we'd walk in anointing, we'd walk in authority, and we would take action. Okay? John 18, 33 through 36, Jesus is having a conversation with the person who's getting ready to order his crucifixion, Pilate. It says, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others tell you to say it about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom, watch this, were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. So he says, here's how you would know if my kingdom was of this world, that my people would fight over politics because they would think that they need their post to make sure that something doesn't happen. That's the kingdom of the world mentality. My people would watch the State of the Union address and celebrate when people in power are dishonored, they would celebrate it because that's how the kingdom of the world works. This is how you know the kingdom of heaven has come is believers don't talk as much. Believers shut up about other things people shout about. Believers can sit in silence about what others complain about. Believers don't need to post about all things that are going on. They need to pray. See, if it was the kingdom of the world, they would post, but the kingdom of heaven prays. The kingdom of the world makes a post about something they don't pray about. So he says, I can tell you, if my kingdom was of this world, they would fight for this not to happen. But they know heaven's always in charge. So they can sit in silence and watch something happen and know that I'm on the move. They might not understand it, but they know this is not the kingdom of the world. They don't post, they pray. They don't, they don't do that. He says, says they, they, and this is the verse about the kind of action. Because sometimes we need to take action. No, the kingdom of this world would take action. I'm not, not, not that kind of action. Watch this kind of action that I'm talking about. Because when we think action, we think social media. We think, pick, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but I want you to hear the main action that Jesus said once he released his authority. Jesus came, Matthew 28, 18. Listen to this. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you have heard, the church needs to be making disciples? No. That's not true. Making disciples is a byproduct of authority. We need to walk in authority and then make disciples. Because he said, I've been given all authority, now go make disciples. Before he died, how did he get the authority? He died for our sins, he obeyed God, and now he had the authority. Before he died, he said, I've anointed. And he sent the disciples to set people free with anointing. But now that he's walking in authority, he says, go make disciples. So who will have authority in those places you're trying to go? A disciple, not a saved person. 
a disciple, someone who is learning and growing from the Word of God. He says, now you can go into all the world, anywhere you want to go. You don't have to spend so much time praying about the entertainment industry. As long as you have authority and you want to make disciples, go. Where do you want to go? God says, go. I've been given authority over the whole world, go. Now, if you don't want to make disciples, you don't have any authority, then don't go. But as long as you are under my authority and you want to make disciples, go. Why do we spend so much time praying, Lord, do you want me to go? It says right here, go. You know what that means in the Greek? Go. Go. I've been given all authority over the whole world. You want to write a book? Go. But do you want to make disciples, though? I got to check. Because if it's about you, don't go. But if this is about my kingdom, I've been given all authority. Go! Go ahead. We get in prayer again, Lord, if it be your will, and God is screaming from heaven, go! See, this is, authority gives you permission to go. He has authority over the whole earth. So I want you to ask this question, not, God, what are you calling me to do? God, what are you calling me to do? Am I under your authority? Do I want to make disciples? Then I can go anywhere in the earth. And God says, sure. As long as you stand under my authority and you want to make disciples. Think about that for a second. That is the action. Now, now, now let, me, let me get back to the talent thing. Watch this. Because we can't erase talent. Proverbs 22, 29 says this. And this literally means talented. Do you see any truly competent workers? You see anybody talented? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. So when you have a talent and you're under authority, you can be free because I don't work for you. I work for Jesus. So you can't stop me from doing anything that God has called me to do because I don't work for you. That's why the Bible says do everything you do as if you're working for the Lord. Because I'm working for the person who has authority. So it doesn't matter if Julian's a great boss or a bad boss or, you know, pastor's doing this. Because I don't work for you. I work with you, but I don't work for you. I work for Jesus. He's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. 